Welcome to Fueling the Revenue Engine. My name is Roz Greenfield, co-founder and chief enablement officer at Level 213. This podcast was created as a response to requests that we've gotten from the enablement community looking for resources to support them as they navigate this evolving landscape of enablement. As we look to the future of our profession, we believe that this is a great time to connect with other enablement leaders for discussions that take a closer look at relevant enablement topics. It's our hope that this podcast provides insight, guidance, and support to the go-to-market enablement and sales leadership community during both prosperous and challenging times alike. We're coming to you from San Francisco, California, where we are in the middle of figuring out what the impact of the coronavirus will be now and in the long term. For the immediate future, we are still under a shelter-in-place order here, which means that we're using conferencing technology instead of studio sessions to put this podcast together. As such, please excuse any fluctuations in our audio. Sales kickoffs, aka SKO, are typically the biggest investment that a company makes on their internal teams. It's also the event where the enablement team really has a chance to have a lot of exposure to the organization. And when executed well, SKO really can have a significant impact on the year and the team and give the enablement team a chance to shine. It's a tremendous amount of work in the best of times. And it's an initiative that enablement teams puts a tremendous amount of effort into. Depending on the size of the company and the event, SKO prep gets started usually typically in Q4 in preparation for an early Q1 event. As with anything else in the post-COVID world that we're living in, SKO is gonna look very different this year than it has in the past. And the reality is that the reality of the global pandemic, as well as the economic impact of the fallout from the pandemic is really forcing enablement in general to significantly rethink their approaches and SKO is no different. So there, it's, this is being another, another area where us and enablement are really having to rethink our SKO strategy. So in this episode, we're gonna be focusing on SKO and discussing the strategies and the best practices for an impactful SKO, despite the restrictions that might be out of your control these days. Before we get into the episode, I just want to address one of the questions that we've been getting a lot here at Level 213 is related to uh, virtual SKO is around the best technology to use to generate interactivity and engagement in an SKO, despite the fact that everybody's remote. Over the past few months, Level 213 has researched and piloted several platforms and apps, and I'm going to share the links to the ones that we recommend on the podcast page on our website, and we're going to focus on this episode instead on the strategy rather rather than the platforms and the technology. So for more information on the recommendations of the platform and technology, you can check out our recommendations for the event platforms and engagement apps at level213.com slash fueling the revenue engine podcast. That's level 213, the digits 213.com, fueling the revenue engine podcast. And uh, we'll keep updating that as we execute and uh, try more of the different technologies that are out there. So getting back to this episode, I'm really excited today to welcome our guest, Heather Mahondran. She's the Senior Sales Enablement Program Manager at Pantheon. And I knew that I found kindred spirit in Heather when I observed her execute on an SKO for the Pantheon team last year. And I think it was, what, three or four weeks after you had started and joined the team. So very, very new to the team and hit the ground running with a very impactful kickoff. And her approach, her strategies, the effort was so impressive. And it all showed in the execution and the feedback of the event. 
In August, Heather executed on a virtual mid-year SKO this year in the post-COVID world and had some great learnings. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. She's going to share her experiences, what was valuable for, for her team. And I think this will be very, very valuable for those of us in enablement that are planning our first virtual SKO since she already has some experience. So welcome, Heather. I'm so happy you joined us. How are you this morning? Thank you, Roz. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent. So I can't wait to hear about your experiences. Um, and I'm really glad to be speaking with somebody that has at least has one virtual SKO under their belt. But before we get started on the strategies and the implications of a post-COVID SKO, I really want to back up a little bit and start with what is an SKO, what does it typically look like before COVID, and why would a company invest the time and energy in an SKO, in your opinion? SKOs are a great opportunity for everyone to get together in person. I think it can be a combination of sharing of knowledge and learning across teams, but also having a lot of fun and team building, you know, building camaraderie and really just getting people excited about executing and about the future of the business and the organization. So there are different ways to go about it, whether it's multi-day, you know, completely offsite, but really just, I think, overall driving alignment uh, on the vision, the goals, and how each team and really each person plays a part in the success of accomplishing those goals for the organization. So taking a moment to zoom out and get everyone on the same page and have some fun. Yeah, and I love how you said it's learning and it's rah-rah-rah and it's team building. It's, there's so many different things that you're trying to do. And it's typically at the beginning of the year or the middle of the year. So it's like a reset. It's a look back and a look forward. You mentioned Zoom, which is going to be a key word now because it's going to be in many cases <laughs> Zoom. But, um, but in your, in your uh, analogy, it was Zooming out, right? So like looking at the bigger picture, it's a chance to do skill development, but also really important that there's some fun, there's some celebration, especially if you're doing it at the beginning of the year when it's right after a really tough Q4, which this year will certainly be a tough Q4. So there's so many different ways of leveraging this few day or, or one day event to just kind of give everybody a shot in the arm to, to move forward. Yeah. Definitely. It's also a great time to roll out if you have like a new sales methodology, mm -hmm. um, new product, you know, sort of big launches, if you will, to have multiple sessions and get everyone get everyone up to speed on where the company's going and how we're positioning ourselves in the market or the opportunity, um, giving them, supporting your teams with some knowledge and learning as well. So. Yeah, and I love that you say that it's a really good time to launch something new because it's the beginning, it's either the beginning of the year or beginning of a quarter typically. And so there's, a, there's kind of like a fresh start, right? There's a clean slate and you want to, this way, it gives you an opportunity to roll something really big out where you have concentrated an effort of everybody, on everybody. Now you keep saying everybody, who do you typically invite to an SKO? Um, I know it's called sales kickoff. I see a lot today. It's revenue kickoff or kickoff or go to market kickoff, um, which I love that we're moving away from just sales. But who do you typically like to have at, at an SKO, especially when you're rolling out a new methodology or, or initiative for the company? Yeah, so I would say um, I think both are important. The way that uh, we've done it is to do the mid-year kickoff, just be our sales team. I think it's important to get sales together as a smaller unit, and then in January doing a go-to-market uh, yeah. kickoff. So including all the teams that would touch our customers from 
um, pre-sales all the way through the sales cycle onto our onboarding, our customer success. Mm -hmm. So everyone's speaking the same language and, yep. <laughs> and running in the same direction. Yep. Uh, yeah, really, really important. And um, I love how you differentiated mid-year kickoff to, to sales kickoff or to or to early year, beginning of the year kickoff. I know a lot of companies will do like everybody comes together for the beginning of the year. It's probably the only time, depending on the size of the company, where everybody is together. If you have several offices or if you're in a remote world, which we'll talk about everybody being together, quote unquote, right now. Or, but mid-year kickoff, some people do it as a roadshow, or in your case, it was only sales team. So it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a less of an investment. Sometimes it's, it's, only, it's, it's less days, but it's, it's, a similar, it's a similar feel. But what, and what I really um, heard you say is it's kind of like a pause in the regular everyday to day motion of the go-to-market team or the sales team, where you, you're early in a quarter or early in the year, so you have the luxury of being able to bring everybody together for a shared experience, for a shared learning, for a shared celebration, without having all the pressures of quarter almost ending or quotas, you know, coming up or, you know, deals are in flow. Uh, so it's a really good time to kind of pause, reset, set the ship, get everybody running in the same direction and then be able to move forward for that. Everybody's kind of working together. So really great point. So a lot of the things that we talked about was like bringing people together and everybody being together. And now that's really hard. There are some parts of the country or world that are able to do a little bit more than others. We are recording this during the aftermath of COVID. We're both in San Francisco. We're still a lot more locked down than most places are. So I want to kind of talk about, I'd love to hear your perspective on not necessarily yet how to execute in a virtual SKO, but why, if we can't bring everybody together, if we have to use quote unquote Zoom, why should we still do an SKO during this time that we find ourselves in? So I think a few reasons. I would say the, the reasons are the same, but more important now. I think mm. we, we're struggling. I mean, people are missing that social, we're social animals and yeah. Now that we don't have those happen chance water cooler conversations, SKOs or mid-year SKOs allow for connections between teams outside of the bubble that they interact with day to day. It makes people so reconnect as humans instead of yeah. like on a business level. Again, just celebrating wins and looking forward as to where the company and organization is headed. But just also to show investment in the teams. I think people are feeling in the day-to-day -day cycles and, and um, it's important to make sure that your teams feel like you're investing in them, you're thinking of them and providing them with the knowledge and information or training or just team building event like yeah. activities to just b continuously build that community and make sure that they feel supported and that they, they are not alone. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, I, I hadn't even thought of that, is that uh, it shows an investment in the team and you know, things are so uncertain in the business world right now. And when, when an employee sees the company investing in their skills and their time, or even in rah-rah-rah and fun, it, it sends the message that although things are so different and we may be sitting in home offices or not traveling like we used to, 
there's still an investment in the team and the pause is still important, right? And we can argue it's probably more important, although we can't physically be together, it's probably more important to force people to kind of be together because we've gotten into this, you know, I work all day because I'm home all day. Do I live at home? Do I work at home? Do I, where did that go? Something I said, do I, do I live at work or do I work at home or something, right? It's like, how does it end? And we're not able to, to your point, like the water cooler or hear the other person on the call or, or have a few minutes with our face-to-face with our bosses in many cases. And this kind of forces people to come together, although virtually, to come together and still get that investment, get that celebration, get that reset. So I would argue it's probably more important now than ever, huh? Yeah, people aren't ringing that bell, right, in person. So it's important to uh, celebrate. Yeah, and I and I, I think it's so important if you're planning a virtual SKO, don't forget the fun, don't forget, and we'll talk about that, don't forget the celebration, don't forget the team building, because you need that now more than ever. And you may have to manufacture it differently, but uh, you do need it. So speaking about manufacturing differently, what shifts in a virtual SKO? What are some of the changes that you have to execute on to be able to make a virtual SKO impactful? Well, for one, um, you're not limited by travel venue, making those logistical arrangements, which um, is a positive, but in seriousness, you need to be really thoughtful about your schedule and delivery methods. I mean, Mm -hmm. working from home means being distracted by a thousand other things besides your meeting. Mm -hmm. And so I think you need... One, just being really creative with how you engage your audience, whether it be in Zoom, webinar, or some of the technologies that you mentioned you'll list on your website. We did three days, but broke up. We broke it up into sessions in the morning with a long break and a session in the afternoon, just giving people longer breaks, more breaks, making sure that they are you are getting everyone up to stretch every 20 minutes. You also have your presenters prepared to, they can't speak for 60 minutes over Zoom and, and have expect people to stay engaged. It's just exhausting. So I would, um, I think, yeah, the schedule, the sessions, the length of them and um, how to make them engaging and then mixing up that format. So making sure there's activities as well as presenting live Q and A's and adding in some fun. Yeah. So one of the things I heard you say that's so important is remember people are at home and they have distractions, right? So designing it with that in mind and thinking about how long the sessions are, when in the day, you mentioned that you broke it up sessions in the morning, a long break sessions in the afternoon. How long when you say long break, what are we talking about roughly? uh three hours yeah so significant right not like if it would have been 15 minutes we give 30 minutes we're giving several hours right where they can maybe attend to some of the things that they have to at home or even get others to work done and and you also make a really interesting point where you used to most of us who have done skos in the past like we spend so much time on like where are we what venue are we in and what's our meals and and there's so much time and effort and money spent on that and now we can shift that effort to okay how do we make this more engaging maybe get look for a different platform or if i am having to use something like zoom because i have a very little stay with zoom have a very little bit limited budget how do i leverage the chat and the breakouts and the polls and and there's so many things we can do. Some are more expensive than others, but it doesn't have to be expensive. Um, but it's about engagement, right? And it's not just someone talking at you for 60 minutes and keeping engaging. Uh, but I think to your point, it's think about the time of day, especially if you have a, a global workforce, right? What, what time are we starting that it makes sense for everybody? And maybe it's just a three-hour day if you have a global workforce, right? Like really thinking that through. 
I would then I would also add it's more important now than ever because people are at home and they have to deal with childcare or the million other things that we're doing at home to get your people's schedule blocked and get the agenda out to them early so that then they can schedule around that. Yeah, that's a really good idea. A really good suggestion, a recommendation so that they can be prepared for, right? Especially if it's, they, they already know that we've been doing this remote thing long enough now to know what our daily schedule is, right? And they can then, you know, if let's say their, their child usually you know, needs attention a certain time of day, they know to either get a backup or maybe even get someone else to babysit, quote unquote, for the day and know that they'll be able to go and, and have a little time. Because the problem with, with you have young children is the young child sees you. They don't, they don't know like, oh, it's SKO, right? Like you're sitting in your, in your room. What do you do to make it feel like SKO and not just another meeting or another day on Zoom? Because we're all Zoomed out. So, well, I, two things I would say is I love having a theme. I think themes just get people more engaged and those can be fun. I've seen there's tons of um, resources online around, you know, doing a tropical theme and sending everyone Hawaiian shirts or I love that. it is um, and pulling a th- and it could, it can be a theme like, you know, empower. It doesn't, it can yep. be to your business, whatever it is. But I think that kind of, creates a synergy between each day and session. Yep. And I think also just making sure that you do smaller breakouts and activities. I mean, if people walk away, at least for us, if one of our goals was to just get people together, if they laugh and have fun and feel like real humans and connect with people that they haven't seen in a few months, Mm -hmm. that is a win. So having, and then also similar to other SKOs, giving people insight into what other teams are working on, where we're going as a company, the larger vision, hearing from executives that honestly are not, they're probably not getting the visibility into is a really good way to reset and make people feel supported and and excited again about the rest of the year. Yeah, I love, you just made a point that I love, love, love. And that's kind of almost one of the benefits of, of an SKO is that people get to to interact with other humans within the organization that they don't typically work with on a day-to-day basis, right? And I think in a virtual SKO, let's force that, right? What's, let's create maybe cohorts of, of cross-functional teams that are going to work together and do projects. And, and to your point, smaller groups so that they can have more interaction together, but get allow them to force that behavior because otherwise it's not, it's, it's happening now less than ever, right? Cause they're not in the office and not seeing each other. They're not traveling to, to see each other. So now we, we can, we, we have a luxury of let's kind of even bring them together. And obviously also like hearing from the different executives that they haven't even seen in months and maybe, and how do we know what they're actually up to? So, so really being thoughtful of how can I create connection to your point we're wired for connection how can i create connection even with people sitting in different uh rooms all over the all over the world or country or state or whatever have you and i love 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 how you said like send everybody a hawaiian shirt right and that will look different that will feel different right everybody when you log on to whatever virtual platform you're using and everybody's dressed the exact same shirt 
that's going to feel, you're going to feel that, right? So don't forget to send the swag if you can afford it, or even doesn't have to be a lot of stuff, but, and I ask everybody to do it. You can do a very special Zoom background for everybody if you're using Zoom, right? Kind of make it feel different and different than every other day and every other meeting that we're actually doing. And I love your idea of the small groups and, and small cohorts and small, small projects. And, you know, one of the, the mid-year kickoffs that I was involved in, we, we tried also like, we had general sessions, but we had a lot of breakout sessions. And then we would give them, you know, the code, we broke them up to cohorts and said, okay, for the next, for the rest of the day, we didn't come back in the afternoon. It was a global workforce. So we didn't come back, but we said, you have 24 hours to accomplish this. When we, when we revisit tomorrow, you know, share what you worked on and what have you. So you may, it may be less sessions, quote unquote, but more activities, more projects, more smaller things, but forcing that team building, that connection and make a list of everything you want to accomplish. I want cross collaboration. All right, I'm going to do something with that. I want team building. I'm going to do something for that. I want hear from executives. So, and you may do it five days instead of three, if you need to break it up into a couple of days. So really, really great points. And you're getting me excited. Um, start my brain starting to be like, oh, I'm going to do that. So you mentioned uh, making sure, so I want to get into the execution of your, using your mid-year kickoff at, in August as an example here. So you kind of already mentioned you made them shorter, you had longer breaks in the day. How did you make sure that the sessions would resonate with the audience? Because it's, it's, it's hard enough to listen to a session when you're sitting in the room with the speaker, but when you're in your home office with all the distractions on a virtual platform, it's, it's even harder. So what are some of the things that you did to make sure that the content, the sessions that you were delivering would resonate? So that's a great question. I, I would always encourage people to get input from your teams, whether that be formally from like a survey and ask what people are interested in learning or hearing about, whether it be from executives or from a training perspective, or just informally set up five minute, 15 minute calls and get a handful of suggestions or have conversations with people. I would also mention just to be careful with that. If you ask for input, if I, if I fill out a survey and I don't hear anything back and it wasn't addressed, I don't feel very good. So these are your customers and just make sure that you acknowledge whether you use their suggestion or not, uh, that they were heard. And, and this is the reason why we decided to go one direction rather than the other. Yeah. Um, or you could even put that in your survey question saying we were going to look for the common themes or, but I definitely want the input. And I, and such an important point that you're making, cause it's harder when we're remote from everybody to remember, like talk to the people you're enabling. What do they need? What are they, what are they sitting in their home office thinking they're the only ones struggling with that everyone on the team is struggling with, but they don't know because they're not with the team. Right. It gives you an opportunity to that. So I love talk to them, talk to, I would do both, maybe the survey and a few phone calls, right? And don't talk to just the loudest person in, 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 on the team. Go to, you know, all through the team um, to really kind of get a sense and then look for the common themes. And I, and yeah, absolutely acknowledge if you can't or, or it won't work or, it's, or you don't see it as a common thing for everybody, acknowledge to that person if and when you'll be able to address it and if not, why. And um, the other thing we did was like, once we got, we had, figured out we, which executives we were going to have come in and speak. I asked people to submit questions for each executive and provided that guidance or sort of themes that came up to each of the speakers prior to them creating their content. So they had an idea as to what people were interested in. And then for each presenter, we did part 
presentation and then a live Q&A. So that's a whole nother skill. I would say if you're doing live Q&A, definitely have some questions prepared and make sure that you have a good moderator. Yeah. An art is, and, but it, it's a good way in this virtual world to make people feel connected make them feel like they have a voice and can ask questions candidly, which people really liked. Yeah. So I love what you did. You got questions before they even created this. So you had the topic based on what the, the, the people you're enabling and people coming to SKO were interested in from that specific speaker. You shared that with the speaker that helped them create their session, which honestly, we should always do that. Like in, in person or virtual, it's such a brilliant idea. I love that really. So it's really, you're really in tune with what they're hearing or with what they're wanting. And then you had a Q and a Oh, like once they heard the presentation, you had a Q&A. Um, you made a point that's so important. If you are running the SKO, have a producer for someone on the line to deal with technical issues, to deal with Q&A. You're, you're going to have behave, doing so many other things. Just like in real life, you need a producer, one or two, right? Because you have to be making sure that the t everything is running smoothly. Let them deal with, have someone dedicated to Q&A, have someone dedicated to troubleshooting, spend time and effort in, in getting that support. So thank you for mentioning that. Love those, those points. And um, this is like a little bit of just a logistical thing. We actually did Zoom webinar. We were a smaller team of like 85 people for the sales organization. We did it for the first day and it was tough because it's just the presenters on the screen and we actually pivoted to do Zoom meeting. Mm -hmm. So we found Zoom meeting to be much more personable, like people mm -hmm. felt much more connected. We asked and continuously encouraged people to keep their video on and the presenters and the audience felt like it was m much more uh, personal and engaging. So with any technology, like you said, have a producer or test, test and test again. Uh, nothing is a bigger buzzkill than technical issues when you're yeah. trying to get something set up. So yeah. Uh, I, I was involved in a, attending a, a virtual event recently and the technology that they were using completely failed them and they, they actually had to cancel the event and then they, they had some pre-recorded sessions that they sent out. You may want to pre-record some important things just as a backup if you, if you need it, but yeah, definitely test, 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 test and, and use the technology that is tried and true. Like we said, we will um, Zoom meetings. I actually think that in you want you might want to make it feel different. You may want to use a different platform, but I've seen a lot of people using a mix of like on twenty four and Zoom, right? So you have like for the beginning for like the conference feel plus the actual for the actual sessions are using Zoom. But Zoom has polls, it has breakouts, it has chat. Chat allowing people to interact in chat is is a place that is a place that our learners are very comfortable with at this point. Um, so it keeps in their activity. Uh, you may have a Slack channel going at the same time. Then there's obviously there's other gamified type of solutions that you can use as well. But yeah, like I think thinking about how do we get people not just to be sitting and listening, how do we get them to engage and, and, and be seen and heard in the room, in the virtual room, right? Uh, yeah. Let, this is a question really more for general SKO, but it's a, it's a topic that I'm sure comes up. So outside speakers how do you feel about outside speakers when do you use them and how do you prepare them and would you do, would you do it differently in a, in a virtual scale well outside speakers can be very valuable and a great resource especially right now because running virtual events are 
time consuming and if if you can get some help and and find someone that can speak to a topic or or training that is going to resonate with your teams it can make them feel again really supported people hear messages differently from an outsider someone with expertise or different experiences so it's like a fresh perspective i mean who listens to their mother right they listen right right yeah, it's like um, you can't teach your own child to to learn to swim. You have to get the swimming instructor, <laughs> right? Because you're gonna pay attention, and it also validates. If let's say the company's doing something and they're hearing it from executives over and over again, and then someone else comes in from the outside and and, and says a similar message, it kind of validates what your you know CRO or CEO or whoever's saying. So yeah, absolutely. And then, but you know, like anything, there's pros and cons. Um, I think that. It seems, I said to myself, it seems nice to outsource some potential work, but actually you have to make up for that in making sure that your outside speaker or consultant is prepared. You have to put in more time to make sure that the messages will resonate with your team, that it's specific and pertinent and relevant to your business and make sure that it's on brand. So it's really important to plan extra time to make sure that they are prepared to be successful so yeah my experience has shown virtual or not virtual you must rehearse with the outside speaker and sometimes they don't want to and that might be a sign that they're not the right one for you but you sometimes especially since the outside speaker you're very often paying a lot of money too and they just bomb and i know myself i just sit there calculating how much money i spent on something that was our worst session right like i could have you know filled that time for something that was going to be a lot less expensive, but a lot more impactful. So here, have them rehearse with you, get a very clear understanding of what they're doing and look for someone high energy. If you, if you're trying to bring energy to an event, I like in, in real SK and real SKO in live SKOs, I like to bring in an outside speaker on like day three after we had the big party and everybody's hungover and this person's not, you know, you have somebody in the room that's, that's not hungover. We don't have that. Well, we're not giving them the alcohol. <laughs> we still may have it, but it's not going to have the same impact. They're not going to be drinking till four o'clock in the morning, probably, which on a live SKO they might be, but you still want someone that can bring energy that can, that can make it exciting and feel different, but make sure you know exactly what they're going to say, right? Because you can get, you can get really hurt. And that brings up another really good point. Just make sure that you've prepared all of your managers and your the, the leadership so that they are really, they're ahead of what is going to be presented and can endorse it and encourage mm-hmm. it and reemphasize the importance of the session and the speaker, all of it and all the content. So I would say that's true for any session we do. Yeah. yeah but especially for an outside speaker. Yeah, absolutely. So again, pros and cons, like you said, weigh it out. Uh, and and figure out uh, I have mixed feelings I've had some very very successful outside speakers and some that that bombed and so I don't think that changes so much for virtual SKO other than the person needs to really be technical right like they have to be able to you don't want to be like oh this person can't you know we can't hear them and we can't see them or what have you or they have a producer right and someone helping them on their end uh, on their computer so yeah great points so you started off when I asked you why SKO is important you mentioned rah 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 and fun how do you add rah, rah, rah and fun when everybody's sitting in their home office in their Hawaiian shirts? <laughs> yeah. Or how did you? I'd love to hear how you did that because I know that's something that you do very well. <laughs> well, I think that most people would agree sales teams, sales reps are competitive. Uh, they love a good competition. So anything you can do to create a bit of uh, 
you know, friendly competition, gamifying throughout the event is a great, fun way to keep people engaged. Uh, yep. One idea I came across was randomly putting pictures of animal slides throughout the present, like the three days of presentations, and then, you know, at the end have a poll, who can name the five animals that you saw throughout the Oh, three I love days. that. Like you know, eggs. Yeah. Lightweight. We have a actually one of our reps is a DJ who's really talented. So every session while people are joining the Zoom, we played just Spotify playlist and it just oh, sort of okay. little things um, make a big difference just to get energy up and it doesn't feel so formal. So we used Slido for trivia, yeah. polling, people can use their phones. It's really interactive and can show results live and raffles calling on people randomly. That's always a good one to keep people engaged and highlighting wins. Again, it's hearing from peers. Everyone loves to hear a good deal one story, even the deal lost. Some of that is really can be encouraging. So yeah, and I'm thinking as you're talking, like the fact that everybody is virtual and everything has technology, like you may even be able to gamify like the person that's the most, like you get points every time you ask a question in chat or every time you raise your hand, or every time you use one of the emoticons that because we, because everything's happening virtually via technology, we could give badges out. And if they just get a random badge, that's going to get them to stay, to stay engaged. And then obviously you can use some give badges like for great questions or so you could have like pre pro program badges and points and, and maybe make it a team and an individual or, or whatever it is. So competition. And, you know, for those people that are doing this for the go to market team, my experience has been most people in go-to-market are competitive. It's not just salespeople, right? So, and your, your point earlier, just like sending everybody in a wine shirt adds to the rah, rah, rah. And maybe like, I don't know, depending on the, on the culture of the company, like maybe when the, you know, CRO speaks, he or she is a little bit, adds a little bit energy, whether they're dressed a specific way or they do something that's a little bit more fun, maybe not every session, but don't forget, you know, that fun and that excitement that you would normally have if you had people together. There are so many also great virtual activities, um, organizations that are doing some really cool team building activities and games like murder mysteries and cocktail making classes and, and things like that. So there are some really cool organizations that you can- well, Adding that in also like a team building activity like you would have normally done, like maybe take one afternoon and have fun, make sure you're still doing that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and there, to your point, there's so many ways from cooking shows to like arts and crafts to, I love, can you share what you did for your impact, right? You guys really wanted to make an impact. Can you share what you did and, and how that worked? Yes, so we, we really wanted to, <laughs> given this current environment felt like both this current environment and some of the best team building activities are most fun activities that I've done are related to charities, giving back, whether it's building bikes for mm -hmm. kids or packing bags of food. And so with that idea, we, I really wanted to come up with a way that we could connect to a charity or giving back. So we did a breakout activity based around our nonprofit customers. So we it can be both fun and connected to your 
to your business. It doesn't just have to be one or the other. But essentially, Pantheon has a large number of nonprofit organizations on our platform. ACLU is a great example that we talk about a lot. It's a case study of ours. Uh, but we have so many more that haven't been highlighted. So I designed a, a team building activity that broke the whole team out into small groups. Each one was assigned a nonprofit organization, one of our customers, and they had to come up with a pitch around how they'd present how COVID in this current environment has impacted that organization. Mm. Uh, a lot of them aren't fundraising the same way, et cetera. Mm. Um, and come up with a creative way that Pantheon could support the organization, whether that be through volunteer activism or providing services or our product. So it was really fun. Everyone, each group had to present their idea. So you heard about these nonprofit organizations that are customers of ours, along with some really fun and creative ways that they... <laughs> what were some of the most creative ways? And I love that it's, like, it could be using Pantheon as a, as a platform or the humans in Pantheon. So what were some of the things that came up? Oh my gosh, there was one, it, I have to look up the name, but it was basically an America's Got Talent. Um, there oh. were game show ideas. And then there was you know, more practical ideas such as the San Diego Zoo, helping them gate live streaming content to mm -hmm. fundraise and gather donations for uh, that would make up for the loss of ticket sales so yeah. and that's something that post sko they can go and execute on or someone can execute on yeah and another cool aspect was that the winning team everyone voted using the app what they the prize was picking a nonprofit of choice to donate $5,000 to. Oh, so wow. I have to share this because I, it's heartwarming to me. They picked uh, no kid hungry or share mm -hmm. our strength, which is an organization that supports kids who are suffering so much right now, just because of the schools closing millions of kids are losing their meals. And, yeah. and so it felt really good. They donated to this organization um, oh, and really helped kids get fed. So yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And that's how you bring team building. And I think people want to feel like they're giving back and it's harder to give back because to your point, a lot of teams will go like create bags together in person. I remember when I was at Optimizely, we would go and like clean the, you know, the, the shoreline and we would do it together and, and you can't, well, you can still go do that, but you don't have everybody together, but this is a, such a great way. And, and the organization that they chose, it's just, it, it kind of brings that, corporate pride back, right? That they might've felt a little bit more disconnected to than that they didn't have. Yeah, really, really great points. And, and some great ways that you, that you had cross-functional collaboration, teamwork, rah, 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 fun, creativity, and giving back at the same time. So, and all things that we usually want to accomplish during a, a kickoff. Yeah, I would say, uh, just to make this point, if you are going to put together your own activity like this, you just make sure that your instructions are really clear and run it through with a, a trial yeah, audience, maybe one or two people, just to make yeah. sure that it makes sense. Because you, when you're working with something, it all makes sense in your head. And sure. if you, but when people are broken out into their small Zoom groups, um, you want to make sure that they have a clear understanding for the amount of time they should spend on each part yeah. and working through like a workbook, etc. So. 
Yeah, great point. One of the things that I've done is for breakouts is a pilot it, but also have one person in each breakout because you can't be every place and you can come in and out of them, but have one person in each breakout that you spoke with in advance and gave them a lot more information and that they know how to reach you if you get stuck as quickly as possible. So you're not getting you know hit up by 85 people or 105 people or 300 people. You're getting hit up by one person from each group and they're kind of like your, your lead. And, and sometimes it's just a random person on the team. Sometimes it's a it's a leader. I know you've done that very well in your in your live kickoffs, where you're le leveraging your sales leaders, uh, your frontline managers to be kind of team leads. But it's really important. So you have somebody that you know in that breakout room that has a little bit more information than everybody else, and also knows how to reach you. And that kind of almost goes back to be you know having the you know thinking about the production value of this. Yes, and you made a good point. Make sure to include not just the managers, but include your CRO. Like, make yep. you know break down those barriers a little bit more that um, people really appreciate. And I think the leadership um, loves it too. They have a lot of fun. So don't forget to include them if they're available. And another just quick tip I'll add is this is um, a Toastmasters trick, but to keep people on time, I actually held up cards. So when they had a minute left, you know, I had a green card, a yellow card when they had 30 seconds of their presentation yep. left and read. So I didn't have to interrupt them, but it was very clear that their time was. Yeah, and then there are also apps you can use for that. So I love that you're giving them time. Um, I have like a, a Red Hot Timer app that you can kind of get through the different, into the different breakout rooms so they can see time's coming up. I, I find, I love that you bring up bringing people back together. I find that it's almost easier in a virtual event to bring people back together because they're not going out. They're not like they're, they're, they're staying in their house, whatever they're doing. Right. But I find it a little bit easier, but you also can't walk the halls and be like, we're starting again. Right. Or, you know, one trick is you like make the music really loud and live and hear you, you, you don't, well, I guess you could make the music really loud, assuming that they didn't put you on mute. But yeah, I love that. Like keeping them on time, keeping, letting them, giving them a sense of time, right? So that they know what's happening. And I, and your point of, of including like the CRO and, and, and other executives, one of the benefits of bringing people together in person pre-COVID was always like, it gives them a chance to interact with executives in a way that they don't usually get to do it. And what you just suggested fixes that or solves for that same, that same goal in a virtual world. Right. And maybe that CRO pops in to different groups and play, you know, works with different groups differently at different times or stays with one group. But you really want to try to and it doesn't have to just be the CRO. It's a time that it gives people a chance to engage with executives in a way that they don't normally because the executives is clear their calendar for this, too. So really great point for that. We mentioned earlier, you mentioned how you kind of move your budget around. So obviously there's different costs. Right. And, and in some ways you can be saving a lot of money. And in some ways you're going to be spending on other things. Like if you're sending everybody in Hawaiian shirt, you're going to spend on shipping to everybody that Hawaiian shirt, which normally would just come to the house. So what did it do? What did this virtual SKO do to your budget and how would you think about leveraging your budget impactfully in a virtual setting? You know, I think that you really, that really depends on your team and knowing, knowing your teams and what they will appreciate for mm -hmm. me not to say I, I love swag, but just given the current environment and everything that's happening, um, we just opted for uh, like, like the donation to a nonprofit and then doing fewer gifts that are larger. So we had another activity that we outsourced with, again, there's a lot of organizations that have games and activities and the winning team got to pick mm -hmm. um, 
a set of three prizes, like each mm -hmm. person. So for me, it was less about the, the stuff, but more about the experiences and getting people connected. Obviously it was much less expensive. We, we did spend a little bit on having an outside speaker come in and um, outsourcing a team building activity. But I think, think, think about people, they're at home. What are they going to appreciate? And maybe that's an Uber Eats gift card. It doesn't necessarily mean, need to be stuff. Just think yeah, about it. Yeah, because you want the stuff for your desk at work. You don't necessarily want your stuff at home. But to your point, you're not spending money on a, you know, a big party that's going to cost you, you know, thousands of dollars in, in alcohol bill or bring everybody into a hotel room together. So you buy, you have to get, sometimes you're going to use another platform that you may have to spend something on, but it doesn't come near what hotel nights cost, right? Nobody's getting on the airplane. So you're saving a lot of money there. So you're, you're, you're actually saving a lot of money. You could either spend in other places or save it for when everybody can come back together and just do a massive blowout then. Yeah. And the, again, there's so many great organizations that are doing these like really, really creative boxes that they'll customize for yeah. you. Um, I had a great experience just working with vendors during this time. So people are eager to help. I think. Yeah, that's a great point. Ask the vendors, how are they, how are they handling virtual events? Right. And, and I've been looking a lot of like, what are the companies that used to do customer events? What are they doing and how did they do it? Right. But yeah, like everybody's looking to be creative during COVID. So, or during this virtual world that we're in. So leverage that kind of move your, your budget along. Did you find that you spent a lot less money or did, was it about the same? We did. That's what I'm finding. Last year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna hurt us when we have to come back because our CFOs are getting used to less money. But in a lot of cases, you're operating with less money right now. So, and you're not having the same. In some, in many cases, you don't have the same amount of new business coming in. So, take a little bit of a break if you can. Uh, I find that that the, the cost per head has gone down significantly, and you can still be very creative. And I think we'll re we'll repurpose some of that funds for January. I think January tends to be a bit more of. Um, a show if you will yeah. and so thinking about now how do you use some of that budget whether it be for training or a bigger swag gift or yeah so so transitioning to that based on your experiences and your mid-year kickoff and then and you're probably going to soon start planning your your q1 sko some companies do it january some february depending on their fiscal year some have completely different fiscal years but what are some of the things that you are thinking about going into the q1 sko that tends to be a little bit of a bigger event that were some of your learnings in this event or, or how are you going to, cause we're still going to probably be virtual. We're yeah. I think that, um, although we did, a, it was, we had a lot of interaction with live Q and A's and some activity. I would probably break, bake in some more of that sort of engagement throughout, mm -hmm. maybe have someone lead a 10 minute meditation, just, mm -hmm getting ahead of some of those logistical things. Mm. Um, we actually, if possible, I would probably go into the office and just have another person or two mm. run production if it's that idea. possible. Yeah. I think for me, at least it was very draining because you're having a lot of incoming stimulus, like the Slack message and Q&A and managing, having another set of eyes yeah, so set up like a control room that you can, you know, physically distance from each other and you're the only ones in the building, but your, your control room is in an, a shared location. Yeah. Social distance, social distance. Yeah. Yeah. And then 
with IT maybe, <laughs> right? Yeah. Someone from IT there, yeah. I and teach I you West Finance School. Just probably more higher production value, like yeah. just a little bit more design element to it. Um, on brand, on theme to kick off the year. It's Which you would have done anyway. Yeah. yeah. Fresh start, some more of, of that. Just yeah. So I'm really glad that we had this conversation. I think you shared some really, really impactful things that I know I'm going to take away and I'm sure the listeners are going to take away. And I think the main thing I'm reminded of is don't forget the connection. Don't forget the same goals that you were trying to accomplish if you were going to do this live, you're still trying to do. You're still trying to level set the team, look backward and look forward, rah, 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 team building, giving back if you can. So just sit down and think, okay, how can I do that differently? And you may have the added benefit that you can do it for a lot less money, but you have to spend a little bit more time on how are we engaging? How are we adding some, uh, some connection and remembering that our team needs that more than ever now. And we can really use this opportunity to do that. So thank you so much for, for everything you shared. I feel like we have to have this conversation again in like February. Yeah. After the learnings from, from, from this event. Before we close, I've been asking everybody, all our guests, uh, what's one thing that you think is going to shift? And it doesn't have to be work. It could be life or professional, either one. What, what is something that's going to change for the better because of COVID? Um, well, I, on a personal standpoint, I think <laughs> just reconnecting and with people that you haven't. Um, but being thoughtful, I think this is one, one part of working remotely is you sort of see a little bit more into someone's personal life mm -hmm. and some people like that some people don't but I think for positive it's made people a little bit more empathetic and, yeah. and understanding to yeah. ha being flexible and just how people are going to work right I work in the office not in the office I think just trusting people get their work done and, and it can be remotely. It doesn't always have to be in person yep. is, is a positive. So. Awesome. I, I agree with you. I think, I think we're all in a shared experience and, and we're humans. And I think that helps us as salespeople because people buy from humans. Right. And this reminds us that we're humans. So yeah. thank you so much again for today. I really appreciated your thoughts and your, and your strategy. And I think it's going to be very helpful for those of us that are working on, the next set of SKOs coming our way in the next few months. Thank you, Raz. As we close out today's episode, we would like to thank purpleplanet.com for our music production, and we thank you for listening. We encourage you to get in touch with us with any requests for future topics, any questions that you have, or just to say hello. We can be found at level213.com, that's L-E-V-E-L, -E and then the digits 213.com. Or you can always find us on LinkedIn as well. Have a great day.